1: Hello to Roja fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Today it's going to be a solo podcast with yours truly, Ryan Abraham, your host, publisher of USCfootball.com, kind of a therapy edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We got so many questions that have come into the podcast, a lot of rants, a lot of non-questions, just kind of people going off, and I wanted to let people express themselves. So I'm going to do a solo podcast today, try to get a lot of those out of the way. We still have a lot of questions for Coach Harvey Hyde. And Dan Weber will have those coming up over the next couple of days, but I wanted to kind of do a a podcast where everyone can kind of rant off. I'll answer some of your questions and, and, and keep it to that. But if you have any questions for us, the way to get a hold of us is podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. You can leave us a voicemail at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. Or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page from your device, uh, from your computer. You can leave a voicemail there. I just want a to little touch on the questions, real quick. There's sometimes we get questions that are not directed towards anybody. They're really long, kind of rants, and maybe I'm encouraging that behavior by reading a lot of these today. But try to keep them concise if you can. We are getting so many, especially after a loss. I mean, I just have it's taken me hours just to go through all the emails and stuff of what's going on. But you know, be clear, be concise in your point. If you're going to leave a voicemail, try to keep it under a minute. If you just kind of keep talking and talking, we're really not going to be able to play it on the podcast. So think about—we love your questions. We're getting so many of them, but pre, you know, think about it before you send it in. Try to keep it concise. Direct it towards who you want it to be. We'll have Shotgun Spratling on later on too. We're probably going to have Keely your uh, our our video reporter, on the podcast this week. So we should do a lot of podcasts again this week, um, and you know, get your questions in there. So send them in. And yeah, and you know, Coach Harvey Hyde usually talks on Monday. If you send him a question on Wednesday, it's really not going to work out that well. So just kind of think about what you are doing as far as you know when you are sending your questions in. All right, well, let's jump right in here and start getting to some of the questions. I'll play you a voicemail question first.
2: Hey, Ryan, guys. Uh, I guess this is a general comment, not so much a question. Stanford just went up ten points. Our defense is embarrassing, at the very least. If we're not firing Sartre, can we get rid of Gary Wilcox? This is ridiculous. Thank you. Fine
1: on Bye. All right. So that question came during the game and we get some of those too. We get questions during the game. People are frustrated at what they see. They send in a question. Uh, Gary Wilcox, uh, he's no, he's not on the, 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 staff. So you're, you don't have to fire him. I think you're talking about Justin Wilcox and I don't know how many tweets I get. By the way, if you want to tweet at me at inside Troy, I do a lot of tweeting during the games. Um, and after the games and try to answer a lot of questions there at Inside Troy. Uh, can't tell you how many questions we got that were under, you know, basically fired Justin Wilcox. And there's a lot of pressure on Justin Wilcox right now and, and Steve Sarkeesian for what's been happening with this defense. And I think, and it will, I'll get into everyone's questions and stuff as we kind of go through. Um, but the, what happened at the end of last year, and I've talked about this many times, is Steve Sarkeesian talked about this defense having to play more aggressively, and I don't think we saw that Saturday night in the Coliseum. I don't think, you know, we're, we're actually crunching a lot of numbers as far as, like, blitzes and how many times USC blitzed and things like that. Um, if you saw my little pregame uh, video where I talked about that, you know, last year USC blitzed only 13% of the time. This year they've already blitzed 28% of the time, and I thought it would go up. I don't think that number went up. We'll, we're going to kind of crunch them all the numbers and find out how often they blitz. But to me, it, it, it was really just about being overly aggressive, you know, overall being aggressive on defense. And I don't think USC was Saturday night, not just bringing pressure, but just any sort of non vanilla format, you know, the formations were kind of the same. They did a lot of two deep safety with guys just backing off in the first half. Then they switch it to kind of a one deep safety and. They were sort of playing in the Stanford's hands, playing off a little bit, not really pressing. I thought the secondary played pretty well. Kevin Hogan made some great throws, and the Stanford receivers and tight ends made some great catches. But it was really about getting pressure up front. Guys weren't winning individual battles. But I do think they weren't put in great positions, and they were just kind of like, this is a big, strong Stanford offensive line. Go beat them, as opposed to, here, let's do some things to try to, to generate pressure. I didn't see anything kind of exotic trying to generate pressure and I think that was kind of the, the biggest issue for me. But yeah, there's where well, there's not going to be, there's no shortage of Justin Wilcox questions and, and rants. So, uh, we'll, we'll get to all those. So I'll go. Here's a pretty long one, uh, from John. I'll read you this. John, I'm letting you, uh, rant here a little bit. He says, I know you probably have a million and one emails today about last night, but I'm going to make it a million and two. This is more of a Dear Abby type thing as I need to be talked off the ledge. Here we go. All right. Uh, John, I'll try to talk you off the ledge. Dear Abby, that is you, Ryan, I don't know what to do as one of the loves of my life, USC football seems to continually lie to me. I'm not sure that they've cheated on me, but the lying is getting to be too much. If you want evidence, here are a few examples. One, I was told that the sanctions are over, depth wouldn't be an issue anymore, and that the defense would be aggressive. I can't tell you how excited I was. Then last night, all I see was a passive, soft two-gap system that looked exactly like last year's version, no pressure from the down three, seldom getting off blocks and making tackles, no twists, no slanting, no stunting, and always seeming to rush only four. In my limited knowledge of football, one of the few teams running a defense, uh, two gap defensive linemen are the Steelers, and it takes years for their linemen to get efficient at it. But alas, the Steelers are dealing with some of the same issues. That's lie number one. And, uh, I'll just make a little comment here. Yeah, that, that's the problem is it does, it did look a lot like last year's version. And I think at the end of the year, Steve Sarkeesian seemed to realize it can't look like last year. And the first two games, honestly, didn't look like last year. Inferior opponents, but it looked like a different kind of defense. This was a regression, and it looked too much like last year, and that's the big problem. Okay, so he goes on. Number two, I was told that we're getting a good offensive line coach, uh, even though he has a checkered past work history. Talented group that looks completely lost in pass protection if the other team twists and stunts. Maybe they don't get any work on, on it since their defense never does any of it. Line number two, Uh Bob Connolly. I mean, you know, new defensive uh, offensive line coach. He's talking about. I think the jury, you know, still out on that. I don't think the offensive line played great. I, I thought the Stanford defensive line very thin. They did run, you know, a twist or a stunt and seemed to be effective and, and would get pressure on. Them. So really, only rushing three or four guys. Stanford was able to get a lot more pressure than what USC was doing for sure. Um, number three, I thought. uh with a new play caller, team would be a little more aggressive, although this is mostly true. Still, the offense goes in a conservative shell if it gets behind the chains. Again, just like last year. Yeah. And I think they don't recover really well from, uh, the penalties. And, and Steve Sarkeesian talked about it last night. They started to get more penalties. That was a, an issue too. That was, this is not a team that was penalized a lot this year, but they were in the Stanford game when they were all big. And they don't get really aggressive. And there was one, uh, series at the end of the half that I thought was telling where, uh, USC, uh, would have been a third and nine. And there was a holding call and Stanford elected to make it second and 18 or second or, yeah, second and 18 instead of third and eight, say, I think it was. And I thought that was very questionable. Like, why would you give this USC offense two shots at it? And they kind of just ran off tackle, and it ended up being like third and 15, and it was it's obviously a good decision by David Shaw. But, yeah, that was being conservative. In that situation, they had to try to pick up the first down and just kind of, you know, a basic run play wasn't really being very aggressive. So I, I agree with you. They got behind the chains, and they were kind of conservative uh in that play. And then, of course, Stanford gets the ball back, marches down the field, and takes the lead before halftime, which was a shock to everyone in the Coliseum. Uh And then the fourth thing is... This is not a lie, but how could Trey Madden rush for 40-plus yards on four carries in the first drive and hardly get any carries the rest of the way? Yeah, he didn't get a carry in the second half, and USC had seven rushes on the very first drive and only six uh, after halftime. So in two quarters, they rushed less than on the one drive that USC opened the ball game with. Now, there, you know, USC didn't have the ball very much, and Stanford controlled it most of the second half, and that's certainly part of the problem. But Trey Madden might have been banged up. He was riding the bike. We'll find out from... Steve Sarkeesian a little bit uh, when we have our conference call with him uh, later Sunday evening. Um, So then he finishes up with Abby. That's you, Ryan. I really want to stay with them as my heart wants, but my brain tells me they're only going to break that heart. What do I do depressed in Arizona? John Bettina. John, your email is actually the reason why I thought why don't I just do a solo podcast and let people kind of rant a little bit. We just thought we want Harvey Hyde and we want Shotgun and and Dan Weber, we want all those guys answering your questions, but there's just a lot of people that are upset. So I wanted to be able to read all of your stuff and thought this would be a good format to do. it. And I'll, I'll do my best to answer all your questions too um, and let you kind of know what's going on. All right, Steve San Diego wrote in. Uh, what can we say about another disappointing season? Wow, writing the whole season off, Steve, already. Uh, this game reminded me a lot of last year's Boston College game. The defense looked like they had no clue where to be. Wilcox's lack of blitzes and pressure is the sole reason we lost this game. I feel bad for the kids, but hopefully this head coach and athletic director get canned, so maybe next season we can play for championships. Thanks. Again, as always, Steven San Diego. Uh, hard to disagree with you as far as like the lack of pressure was the reason they lost this game. When you put pressure on Kevin Hogan, he's a different quarterback. USC didn't, and he looked like John Elway. So hard to disagree, and it did remind me a lot of Boston College last year. USC was up 17 nothing in that game. They were up 21 10 in this game and then things kind of fall apart and the opponent runs all over you. And, uh, that's certainly what happened in this one. So yeah, good, good email there. I don't know about everybody getting fired, but I do think there's some pressure, uh, a lot of pressure on Sarkeesian and, and the off the field stuff, the salute to Troy stuff to me kind of chewed up his equity, Steve Sarkeesian's equity, because there were, there were a lot of people that weren't really on his bandwagon to begin with. Because they loved Orgeron and, and, you know, even now, you know, people talking about Clancy Pendergast. Um, he can't come back. USC was paying him last year. He didn't work. He's now a, a linebacker coach for the San Francisco 49ers. So, um, but yeah, people liked Clancy Pendergast's ag- aggressive style. Uh, Justin Wilcox definitely doesn't have that same kind of style. Um, you know, different coaches, different styles, different philosophies. And, you know, USC fans are pointing it out and, and, you know, there's the kind of emails we're getting. You can see the results from that. All right, here's another long one. This is for or uh, from Garlene, And it says, first, I love the podcast and all the articles. It's truly an addiction. Well, thank you very much. I uh, hope you enjoy USAFootball.com. Ugh, don't know what to say. Oh, this is, uh, I'm sorry, I started off. Aloha uh, uh, to Ryan and Dan. Uh, I'm not putting this one to Dan. Sorry about that, Garlene, because it was kind of long. But I'll, uh, I'll let Dan know that you wrote in. Um, said, "I oh, don't know what to say and how to get a hold of my emotions." I'm writing again for the therapeutic, for therapeutic reasons, and perhaps no real question. Well, that's why we're here for uh, for your therapy. Started watching the game in the second quarter when I found out that Will Farrell led the team out. My initial reaction was, "Uh-oh, are we taking this game seriously? Do you think this is funny and an easy win?" At this point, we were actually winning, but I didn't feel good inside. I thought we needed someone like. Willie McGinnis or any of USC's tough linebackers to run out of the tunnel, even though it seemed like an inept Stanford team. Interesting. Uh, USC towards the end of Pete's run during Lane Kiffin's tenure and now Sark all tend to start the game strong and then taper off. It's become a bad habit. And I fear the team is used to this happening and they're not trained, uh, in, they're not trained in going for the jugular precisely when it counts and step on the gas and kill them. But opposing teams seem to know how to do this to us. I wonder, in theory, of the blind spot um, – oh, I meant to look this up. It, he, it's a Johari window that my daughter learned in one of her USC business classes at Marshall applies to our team. Everyone can see your blind spot, and it seems all opposing teams can see it. Uh, they have a handle on it and know how to game plan for it. Everyone can see but us. That's why it's called the blind spot. Yeah, so that's, uh you might want to Google it, the Jahari, I believe that's how you put Jahari Window, uh, but it was created by a couple of psych, uh, psychologists or psychiatrists, uh, psychologists, I believe. Uh, I wanted to look it up and do a little more research on it, but it's it's kind of like a four quadrant graph and um, kind of shows where you're, you know, how you look at yourself. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to go into all that stuff here, but that's you know, interesting. I wanted to do a little research on it before I uh, read your question. I didn't have time, so sorry about that. But look it up if you want to check that out. Um, but he says, I know I get caught up in all of our media hype. For me, it's a good, a feel good addiction from the Ripsit blog to Scout to the OC Register and even Lindsey and Gary at the LA Times. I don't read Scott Wolf anymore. Uh, he's on Boycott. I changed the channel when Petros is on, but I wonder if all that feel good juice adds to our own softness. I'm sure the players are caught up in it all. Uh, they're the stars of many of the interviews, etc. Not that I want negativity and constant criticism. But I knew, do notice that other team sites there's not as much hyping, but more analysis, and with hope and encouragement. Uh, there's more secrecy. USC's an open book. We think uh, we are better than everyone, and this may be the problem, and that may be true talent-wise. But what good is talent if we can't kill an enemy? Can't kill the enemy. A good coach is like a winning general and never underestimates the enemy. Never. Maybe Sark doesn't see them as the quote-unquote enemy. He's too nice. A good salesman. And can wow, people like Patterson did with the trustees of Texas when he interviewed. Uh, I heard for Cody and Sua. They're good captains and leaders. During the presser, Sark seemed somewhat detached from the loss, while Cody and Sua were taking it personally. Uh, glad you enjoyed fresh catch pokey while in Hawaii, Ryan. Uh, Dan, I read your articles religiously. Can't wait for the podcast. Therapy. Best of both of you from Garleen. Uh Wow, yeah. Um, just to the point in the middle, I don't think – the USC media is hyping up this team at all. I mean, this was a team that is was a you know preseason top ten and was up to AP number six. And I, if you look at the facts, I thought they played really well in both games. Did exactly what you're supposed to do in in a you know a couple weeks stretch where most teams didn't do what they were supposed to do. They were losing to FCS squads, or struggling, or going to triple overtime. And USC didn't do any of that. And Stanford was struggling, scored six points against a bad. Northwestern team that's now ranked uh, you know and they had a good win yesterday against Duke Um, but you know six points against Northwestern it looked like a completely different football team and that to me is a lot of what's going on in college football is it's just it's a bunch of kids and you can look completely different from week to week I mean if you look at last year how different did USC look against Notre Dame than UCLA I mean it looked like a different team and that was one week later Two weeks later, the Stanford offense against Northwestern couldn't do anything. They were they couldn't get out of their own way. And they looked like, uh, you know, a model of efficiency. There was, you know, USC defense only had two stops. Stanford punted twice Saturday night. Didn't have any turnovers. Punted the ball twice. Every other time they had the ball, all seven times they scored. So, looked completely different. You know, they were efficient on third downs after being ranked 106th in the country in third downs coming into that game. So it's hard to explain. I don't think the media is hyping everybody. It is a a more open, uh, you know, practices are open. We can interview a lot more players. I think it helps the players because they get a lot of practice for when they move on. But I don't think there's anything about hype. I mean, we're saying what we see. And we saw a lot of good things from this team. And we did not see a lot of good things from this team Saturday night. All right, let's go to JV. This is a short one. He said... You think Wilcox learns from this, or do we see more of the same and we just need to score more, change it up at the end of the season? Uh, it's a good question. Like I I mean, usually when Steve Sarkeesian says something about, hey, we're going to do this, we need to be this, and at the end of last year he said, we need to be more aggressive on defense. I think they might try to sell us on that they're more aggressive on defense, but what I saw, they were not. Sark's in his press conference talked about, uh, you know, one screenplay that McCaffrey got free, he said, you know, we were playing man, uh, we are trying to be more aggressive on defense, playing man, and, you know, the guy who had McCaffrey got blocked and it sprung him for a big play. I, I don't see that as being more aggressive on defense. So, not that that was an excuse, but that's something that you're seeing. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that Steve Sarkisian knows that there's pressure, like we talked about. Um, will it be enough to say, hey, Throw that game plan out the window. You have to just bring pressure. You have to, you know, be more exotic. Try different things. Take chances. Higher risk, higher reward. Force negative plays. They did not force anywhere near enough negative plays yesterday. Didn't get uh, Hogan out of rhythm, and that's a problem. So I'd like to see them do that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. If you, quote, unquote, learned anything from that and they're going to change it up. We'll find out a lot next week because you're going to see Arizona State and they do take chances. Uh, let's see. We have that was JV. Jay had a question. Is fire Justin Wilcox a question? Because that's all I got. Uh, very succinct. Uh, thanks for that, Jay. It's not that that would not be a question. That was more of a statement. But you asking if it was a question was a question um but we duly noted you feel justin wilcox should be fired and uh you're not alone from all the other people that have written it as you can see okay justin wrote in now this is about um so i watched a lot of stanford football we do the podcast of champions i do that with david woods from the bro site so you go to pac12podcast.com if you want to check that one out we're on itunes and stuff too but we cover all the pac-12 and so we try to watch all the games and, and discuss all the teams. And, you know, Dave covers UCLA. I cover USC. But we thought it would be kind of interesting to cover the whole Pac-12 and, and talk about it. It's been fun. We got a lot of interaction from Pac-12 fans. And I was – someone tweeted at me, uh, Shaw Factor. I think it was hashtag Shaw Factor because David Shaw was calling such a conservative game in those first two games. Um, and then they opened it up in the second half against a, a really bad UCF team. Um and so Justin writes in, do you want to start the hashtag Sark factor to kind of go along with David Shaw? Because David Shaw, no question about it, outcoached Steve Sarkisian. I thought David Shaw was has been done a terrible coaching job so far this year, but Saturday night, I mean, I don't think you could even question who was the better coach team Saturday night. I mean, I think David Shaw just blew Sark away. So he says, do you want to start the hashtag Sark factor? Um, Sean, May not be a good coach, uh, but he outcoached USC tonight. I agree. And the concerns I brought up last week were worse than I feared. So is this going to be another year of no adjustments, bad coaching and inexplicable losses? Um, Stanford's a good team. They haven't looked good so far this year until Saturday night. I do still think this is an inexplicable loss. It's a double digit. You're a double digit favorite against an unranked team at home coming off two impressive wins so yeah that's a you know that's another one Arizona State hasn't looked very good if they look great against USC and like USC is the team that makes teams look way better than what they've been that's a problem and yeah you can say people get up for USC and uh I mean that understandable that definitely happens but I don't think you can say all these teams, they've, they're they have only saving their best for USC. They look their best against you That's something, that's a you problem a little bit, you know, to quote Colin Cowherd. If everyone's playing their best game against you, I mean, it's fine if they put in a little bit more effort or something like that. But if you're letting them look better than they've looked all year, I think that's part of your own problem there. So uh thanks for that. Let's see. We're going to go to Scott. He said, I'm sorry if this is a repeat email. But I've been a loyal USC fans for 51 years. Wow, that's a long time, Scott. I went through some of the worst coach teams, but I must say that after tonight, uh, that after tonight, it is the worst display of defensive play calling I have ever seen in 51 years. That's a lot, Scott. Uh, second, there are some players who should not, uh, he said should play at all. I think he meant should not play at all. One being Antoine Woods, too fat to move. Uh, wow, uh, I don't think he's too fat. And he was really hurt in that game. He was limping when he came out. His arm was in a sling. Um, but he said, did not make a play all night. Yeah. Woods, I think was, was banged up for sure. Uh, two, he said, number four, Hawkins, uh, Chris Hawkins is never in the right position. Don't know if that is coaching or not. I mean, Hawkins has already forced a couple turnovers this year. I thought he played pretty well. I didn't think the secondary played bad. Um, and that one long play that, you know, at the end of the half, that wasn't Hawkins man. Dory Jackson fell down and that, you know, he was the guy that was covering him. Um but he says okay so there was that tonight was my last game I will not watch another game unless some coaches are gone I want to thank you for your reporting of USC football you guys and girls are really good at what you do good luck to you on covering football for Scott so Scott is giving up USC football until they fire some coaches um that's pretty strong Scott uh I mean it's uh, that's your prerogative you you know you you do what you want with your uh, entertainment time, your, your leisure time, but, um, to, to bail on this team already just after three games. I don't know, but that's your, your prerogative. You can do what you want. Uh, Melvin says, I now regretfully believe. Okay. He says, Linda 30. Uh, well, I think he's talking about Lindsay theory that perhaps USC does lack the physicality to be a strong dominant team, both defensively as well as offensively. And I ask you guys whether that is why even with all of the offensive talent usc has it has not mounted a significant comeback victory during coach sark's era melvin and i think he brings up a great point i i think the stat is usc hasn't had a comeback win you know if they're down by 10 points or more they've never come back and won under steve sarkisian i believe that's the case but i think it was the same thing with with lane kiffin too i'll have to kind of look that up that's not been the dna of this team um you've, you definitely see other teams where they're the more talented team. Uh, but you know get, have some adversity and get down early and they're able to bounce back and put it together and, and win the game or, you know, and that's just not something that's been part of this team's DNA. And I don't know what that, why that is. And it's something we could kind of ask, uh, Steve Sarkeesian about, but it doesn't seem like they're, they're made up to do that. And I, you know, I think that's a real, uh, I think it's a real problem. And, uh, yeah, you know, but it's a good point, Melvin. Thanks for bringing that up. But, yeah, it's Lindsay Theory. She writes for the LA Times. And she didn't say that USC uh, lacks, you know, isn't physical ever. I mean, she was saying that she saw two practices, USC and UCLA, and UCLA looked more physical in their practices. That's basically all she was saying. I mean, it was answering a question that somebody had asked her. So, But you can get her name right. That would be nice. Lindsay Theory. Uh, here, let's go to another voicemail question. Kind of a, I think this is kind of a longer rant here. Um. And it might be for Dan, but we're going to play it here and let you guys hear it.
2: Alright, this message is for Ryan and Coach Hyde. My name is Al from Pennsylvania. I've been a Trojan fan forever. My favorite Trojan in the beginning was Mike Battle. I used to love the way he returned punts. He's a little slow guy. But I loved it. Anyway, I just have to face facts. The defensive line is soft and they're uh, First series, I watched nothing but the offense and line, defensive line. SC's offense fired out, you know, looking good against Stanford. I'm like, okay, we're we going to have a good team. Then when the uh, when Stanford's offense had the ball, they just started pushing the defensive line around. It had nothing to do with uh, rotation, scheme, or anything. They just got handled. And that's the scary part. USC is just not um, uh, national title ready at this moment. I mean, because if North if Northwestern if Northwestern could push Stanford like that, and then if Stanford pushes USC, come on, you know, reality is reality. And the linebackers look slow, and soft, and unsure of themselves. Also, and God bless Lamar Dawson. God bless him. He's going to be a, a a gentleman, he's going to be an uh, uh, educated guy, very nice guy, but he bounced off on that blitz. He bounced off the quarterback like the teams bounced off of uh, uh, that boy from Texas. So, anyway, that's it. I love this show, and I love everybody's uh, comments. It's a great show. It, I, I look forward to this every week. I got to go. Fight on.
1: All right, thanks, Al. So he meant it for uh, Coach Harvey Hyde, not Dan, my mistake there. But it was kind of long. It was like a, a two-minute voicemail. Uh, but I wanted to play it for you guys here since it's our therapy rant and uh, let you guys hear what he had to say. Um, about the defensive line being soft and weak, I don't necessarily agree with that. And so uh, the problem is I think lined up one-on-one with the Stanford offensive line and just rushing straight ahead. You're right. I mean, they weren't winning those individual matchups. But I think you saw what happened with the Stanford defensive line, too. They get pushed around sometimes, but then they would run a twist or a stunt and and bring some pressure and kind of put, you know, make the USC offensive line think a little bit. I don't think the USC defensive line or the front really made the Stanford offensive line think a little bit and have missed assignments. It was just like, hey, everyone go one on one battles and hope you win some. And they weren't winning that many of them. So that, that's to me. I think if you pluck out, you pick a guy and say Claude Pallon or Delon Simmons or whoever or Antoine Woods or someone that you don't feel is, is playing all that well. And you put him in and someone else's, on someone else's team, I think they'd be a very effective player and they would, you know, generate some pressure. But I, I think a lot of it is, is philosophy and scheme. It's not just about the individual guys. Um, as far as not national title ready, I thought they had the potential the talent to make a a run at the playoffs, which of course puts you in the national title uh, hunt. But after seeing last night, no, I mean, that's, um, you can't say that this team, you know, the team could certainly bounce back. We've seen it happen before, but they couldn't have a loss. Like in my opinion, you couldn't have a loss like this. Now they could still win the Pac-12 South, meaning you could still go on and beat Oregon and, and make the playoffs and things like that. But that's a, it doesn't look like a team that's ready for a national title though, just from watching last night uh linebacker slow and soft i don't i don't uh believe that either but they, i don't think guys were in great positions all the time i mean there was a, definitely look of confusion uh looked like more kind of reading when they were when they were aggressive i i liked the way a lot of guys played i mean you saw anthony saro getting uh, the the sack there where he actually had to play him the rush end on that play uh right at the beginning of the um second half they had two sacks in a row uh, both by linebacker, you know, Porter Gustin and, uh, Sorrow. And that was nice, you know, but then they, you kind of didn't see them do that anymore. Lamar Dawson. Yeah. I mean, it was his first game back. He hadn't played since 2013. Came up the middle and had Hogan dead to rights and just, you know, bounced off, whiffed them, whatever you want to say. That was a, that was an issue, but you know, you feel bad. That's a guy that hasn't played for a couple of years and, uh, it showed. Um, let's go to Earl in West LA. If my voice holds up, it's hard doing the whole podcast by yourself. You don't think about it. You can kind of, you know, go off to someone else, but we we'll, we want to get through all these. We want to read all your stuff. Earl West LA says losing is one thing. Being unprepared is something quite different. The defense was manhandled by Stanford. They had their way with us, never figured them out. Making matters worse, we committed way, uh, many silly penalties. It's easy to pass Justin Wilcox, but there seems to be an alarming pattern as tonight's fiasco was all too similar to what happened in the Rose Bowl last November. Is this situation as critical as I'm thinking, or am I overreacting? Earl in West LA. Uh, I think like the other uh, person wrote in, I think it's similar to BC, not the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl was a beatdown from the beginning. USC wasn't in that one. USC was winning against Stanford and then kind of fell apart. USC never got it together at all in the Rose Bowl last year. So I, I think it's different. Um, and I, you know, it is easy to bash, bash Justin Wilcox, but it's the problem is it, it looks too similar to what happened last year when there and you know, when Steve Sarkisian admitted there was a problem. So, uh, he had a lot of time to kind of fix that problem and it wasn't fixed. Now, can that change going forward? It certainly can. I mean, you've seen teams every week look way different from one week to another. If Ohio State looks great and then they play, I think it was Northern Illinois or whatever, and uh, bench their quarterback, you know, Cardell Jones, and, you know, throwing picks and don't look good. And um, UCLA, you know, they barely beat, a, you know, BYU. BYU is, I think, a good team. That was a team, you know, BYU, and UCLA turned the ball over a whole bunch and still found a way to win at the end, you know, and I think that's a sign of good coaching and a good team. But they didn't look as good as other weeks. They survived, which is what you want to try to do. Now, if USC would have won this one tight somehow at the end and they survived, I think you could point out a lot of the same issues, but at least you got the W. You got the win, and that's what UCLA can say. USC can't say that. So, um, you know, I I think what's good is you have a learning experience. UCLA gets a learning experience, and they still have the victory. I thought USC had some learning experiences from the first two games, even though they lesser opponents, about third down conversions and uh, protecting the quarterback and things like that, trying to build off that. The problem is, uh, you know, I think they fixed some of those things. Third down conversions weren't great. But the other side of the ball, I mean, they didn't, you know, there wasn't really any kind of glaring weaknesses because the the offenses they were playing weren't that good. So you didn't really get to see what was wrong with this USC team the first two games. We got to see it uh Saturday night. Thanks for that one, Earl. We got a few more. Uh Tana from Utah. Hopefully I'm saying that right. As emotional as I am right now, the silver lining to losing early is we can work our way back up the polls and we can see what we need to work on early in the season. Defensive line is uh, mediocre and play calling wasn't the best offensively and defensively. What are some adjustments uh, do you think need to be addressed? That's Tana in Utah. No, that's true. I mean, you lose early. It's a Pac-12 North. It's just looking at facts. You'd rather lose to a Pac-12 North team uh, and you can still kind of you know beat everybody in the South and and try to win the South and and go from there. The problem is you're playing the two you know two toughest Pac-12 North teams, Stanford and Oregon, and you lost to the weaker of the two. Can you beat Oregon? Uh, if you get that second Pac-12 loss, you, you know do you have to sweep the Pac-12 South to make the uh, championship game? Probably. Uh, I mean, you still got to play Cal, who looks really good too. So you're playing the three toughest teams in my opinion from the North. And the Pac-12 South is all the toughest except for Colorado. So, uh, I mean, Utah's look good. Arizona, you know, put up 77 points yesterday. So, it's not going to be easy. But you're right. I mean, if you have to – if USC runs the table, they're fine. Do they look like they can run the table after what you saw? I I mean, personally, no. But, you know, we've seen stranger things happen. Um, Talking about the play calling uh, offensively and defensively, I think – The, the issues I had on offense were what we kind of touched on before is that when you do get into a, the third downs and the more conservative downs, uh, USC wasn't very aggressive there. They were kind of, you know, playing not to maybe turn the ball over as opposed to be a little more aggressive and trying to pick up the first downs. And I think you saw sort of a a way different philosophy from Stanford. They were very conservative on offense, uh, for, you know, the Northwestern game and, and at least the first half and a good part of the second quarter of the UCF game they opened it up in the second half more um but this team kind of got conservative on certain downs you know and i don't and it was later in the count you know later you know third downs which i don't think you really want to be and it gave they gave up points uh you know because of that uh you know at the end of the first half and on the defensive side we kind of talked about that yeah i was not impressed with the play calling it looked just just it looked very vanilla it didn't look like they were trying anything different. It was more about, here's what USC is going to do. Stanford combated it very well, and you didn't see a lot of changes and a lot of adjustments. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you there, Tana. A couple more. Chuck uh, wrote in, it's been proven since last year that Justin Wilcox cannot rise to the occasion as a defensive coordinator. Like okay, I don't know if that's been proven, but that's basically what most people are thinking, yes. Uh, his defensive schemes lack creativity. His bend-but-don't-break defense is good enough for the smaller conferences. Wilcox has been given a Ferrari and doesn't know what to do with it, so he drives it slow so he won't crash. The USC defense is extremely soft under him. I feel that Sark needs to look at Wilcox and either tell him that conservative is out the window or they'll both be out. Defense wins titles. Who, Who is the defensive line coach for USC? Uh, that would be... <laughs> sorry. Um, Chris Wilson, sorry, it's funny. I it just was kind of reading this. He's like asking a question in the middle. Chris Wilson is the USC de- defensive line coach. Tell him to please go down to the Baton Rouge and learn from Coach O on how to teach aggression. The SC defensive line was being attacked instead of attacking. I understand schemes, blah, blah, blah. But in SC's case, you have blue chip players. They look like creep puffs out there. Look at Stanford's O and defensive line. Now that's aggressive, all in caps. They have dominated SC's line recently. It's really simple. Beat your man to the punch or knock him on his behind. It's all mental. If the defensive mind is weak, the defense is weak. Sark needs to lay down the hammer on the defensive side. Secondary is okay. Uh, can still be better, of course. Sark needs to check his toughness. He needs to have a mindset of an assassin. Uh, that's what all the great coaches have. I really don't see that killer instinct from Sark or Wilcox. Another note. Please tell the offensive line coach, uh, that's Bob Connolly, to quit teaching his guys finesse blocking uh, and instead teach to communicate with each other and blast the guy across from you five feet. Thanks from Chuck. Um Yeah, no, I mean, the lack of aggression. And I, uh, my philosophy watching as much college football as I do and seeing the teams that kind of, you know, the teams that lose, and I, you know, I saw Stanford lose in Week One. They were not aggressive. They were, they didn't throw the ball down the field hardly at all. There one time they took a shot, the guy dropped it. Uh, he was very, very conservative on offense. You know, playing on the road against Northwestern, and it bit him in the butt. And David Shaw, you know, apparently maybe he learned from it. You didn't see him do that here on the road uh, at in LA. Um, but when you play conservative, especially in the Pac-12 conference. And in college football in general, like this isn't the NFL. The NFL, you're playing for a punt yardage and, you know, trying to kick a field goal. And in college, you got 18, 19 year old, 20 year old guys. You can put them, get them in mismatches, get your athletes out in space, making plays. You don't need to be conservative. Like there's, you don't see a lot of it be effective. What kind of teams are conservative that it actually works? Not very much. And you saw like LSU, like we see it in the SEC more because sometimes quarterback play is so bad. Um LSU will just run the football with Leonard Florinette uh, and, and they don't even need their quarterback half the time. So uh, that worked. A lot of cases, it, it you know, most cases it doesn't. Um, and when you talk about a fifth year senior quarterback, which is why I was curious, Stanford was so conservative in game one, because they did have a, you know, experienced starting quarterback and Kevin Hogan, who USC made look like John Elway on Saturday night. And USC, of course, has Cody Kessler and a lot of athletes no reason really to be conservative in my opinion in college football and uh you know i thought usc was more conservative saturday night and it cost them they you know they they, you don't need to be conservative when you're not protecting uh depth the depth is not a liability anymore it's actually a strength you don't need to play conservative and i think they did so thanks for that question one last one uh bruce winston well ryan Uh, no, he's, okay. So Bruce is referring to, I did, I tried a new feature on Saturday, um, up on uscfootball.com where I did my three keys to the game and it was a video report that I filmed a couple hours before kickoff in the Coliseum, me kind of going over the three keys. And, uh, so he's referring to that. I actually predicted if they hit those three keys, USC would win 42 to 17. Um, and in my opinion, they missed on all three keys. Bruce fails differently, so I'll uh, I'll talk about what he said. He said, they hit all your three keys. He said, they hit all your three keys, but I guess they weren't really the keys to victory after all. One, uh, pick up the pace. Would have been nice if the offense actually had the ball to execute this more often. The key was Stanford controlling the pace on offense by running it so effectively. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the, the picking up the pace was the offense's fault, but they didn't pick up the pace. They only ran 60 plays, which is about what they ran Last year when they were slowing down the football game. So, no, I mean, I think they tried. I don't necessarily believe it's the offense's fault. They got conservative, I think, in some of the third down situations and could have kept drives going. But you don't expect to have to keep every drive going. And they only punted three times. Um, so it wasn't like it was terrible. But when you see the Stanford defense, I mean, the Stanford offense moving the ball at will, it changes your philosophy on offense, too. You have to score every time. You can't just take a series off and punt. And, you know, so they didn't get to pick up the pace, not necessarily the offensive fault. You know, I said you have to wear them out in the second half. Stanford only has three defensive linemen. By the time they run 80 plays in the fourth quarter, you're running them over. Well, that didn't happen. Uh Stanford controlled the clock, a two-to-one ratio, almost 40 minutes. So that, that key to the game didn't happen, but it's not necessarily the fault. of it's, It wasn't like the, the offense slowed things down, but they didn't have the ball to really do that. Two, he says, get aggressive on defense. And he says, they seem to blitz early and often all right, but the blitz was effectively picked up time and time again. Very ineffective execution again. Again, I disagree. I don't think they were aggressive on defense. Uh, they blitzed some and it, and it worked a couple of times. So they got sacks or plays in the backfield, but for the most part, I mean, they were playing off. I talked about playing press coverage. You just watch. I mean, we we're in the press box. You can watch a secondary and I'm seeing two deep safeties way off the ball, corners way off the ball, and people backing up at the snap. And that's not to what I said about playing Stanford, is they love to dink a dunk and keep things near the line of scrimmage. You playing off of them is playing into their hands. And I felt, especially in the first half, USC did that. Uh, I think they mixed it up a little bit more in the second half, but they came out aggressive on that first series in the third quarter, and you didn't see that really again. So USC got the lead and needed to get another stop. And I thought they were playing back off again. They did switch to one deep safety in the second half as opposed to two, but I don't think they were aggressive on defense at all. That's the biggest key that they did not hit. So I disagree with you there. And then three, uh, they had less than double-digit penalties, uh, but some they had were drive killers. Number of penalties had no impact. Again, I disagree. So I said the third point was play a clean game, and penalties was part of that. USC had nine penalties for the first two games. In this one, they had eight, but even Steve Sarkeesian said afterwards, it wasn't just the number. I think it was eight for eighty-seven yards. It wasn't just a number, but they're all big ones, you know. Um, you know, negating a touchdown. Like that's not playing a clean game. If you negate a touchdown because of a penalty, that's not clean. I mean, that's that's a huge penalty. That's worth more penalties than than just one. So uh, and they had other penalties called that, you know, they had multiple penalties on a play. Uh, you know they had offsetting penalties. Their actual number of penalties were north of ten. Uh, they def- definitely had more than that because they would have multiple ones on single plays too. Um, but yeah, but they were very impactful penalties. They were, you know, big holds, a you know, defensive holding on a run play, which I don't even know how you get that against uh your nose guard, um, personal fouls, things like that. So they were big penalties. It was not a clean game. Turnover wise, it was a wash, uh, for sure. So that I mean that was good. Special teams. Uh, I mean, it was kind of a wash. The, the pro, USC didn't punt the ball very well, and that was, that was an issue with a couple times. But there wasn't a lot of punts either, so there was only three punts, but a couple times they punted from their own territory. Uh, one was real short. One landed at the 50 and kind of rolled and, and got decent yardage out of it. Didn't really matter, like, the field position because Stanford seemed to drive the ball at will anyway. You know, maybe not, but I think special teams weren't, uh, you know, it wasn't like a huge negative. Um, but the penalties certainly were. That was, that was uncharacteristic of what we saw from USC, uh, through the first three games. So yeah, those were my three keys to the game. I don't think they hit any of them. I thought they missed pretty badly on all of them. Bruce disagreed, but I kind of gave you my reasons why, Bruce, and at least the thinking behind why I thought those were keys to the game. And really, uh, USC didn't execute on those. And I, I think they, they missed a, a great opportunity here to do something, um, to make a real special run and, I think Steve Sarkeesian needed that because of the off the field stuff. Like I said, there, you know, some of the equity, if he had any equity built up, kind of gone after that. Um, you know, he gave up the play calling duties. I thought that was giving up a little power, but winning was going to be the most important thing and did not win Saturday night, did not look good doing it. The fans are really upset about it. Um, yeah, you know, I'm getting you. You can see all the emails that we're getting, and there's still got a whole bunch more for for the rest of the guys too. But you know, and I, you know, you understand people's frustration, and it's going to be about how you bounce back. You don't, you know, is Arizona State great? They haven't looked great so far. Uh, but are they going to be great Saturday night? I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing they're going to play really well. So this defense is going to have to make some changes this week. We'll be out of practice, kind of reporting what we see. And, uh, it's going to be a tough test. If you're talking about starting off 0 and 2 in Pac 12 play and 2 and 2 on the season after being a preseason top 10 team and, you know, getting up to number six in the AP poll and looking pretty good, that's not going to be acceptable. And there's going to be a lot of rumblings. So USC could fix a lot of things by getting a win Saturday night in Tempe. If they lose in Tempe, especially if they look bad, it's going to be another ugly week. So. We'll, uh, we'll get to all that, but I guys hope you enjoyed this, uh, peristyle podcast, 45 minutes or 46 minutes or so, just me kind of reading your rants and talking about your questions. So hope you guys enjoyed it and we'll be back. We're going to do Monday. We might do two on Monday. I'm not sure yet. But we'll have Dan Weber. We want Dan Weber on and, and coach Harvey Hyde on answering all those questions and kind of talking about the team as much as possible. So maybe we'll do Monday, Tuesday morning, something like that. Um, and, and get you guys, we want to get you as much analysis on this team. Uh, from the game, it's possible. And we'll have shotgun on kind of later on in the week, and we'll, we'll maybe even do a recruiting one. So we'll try to do a whole bunch of podcasts this week, talk about what's going on. Thanks for sending in your questions again. Keep, try to keep them concise and let us know who you have the questions for. But hope you guys enjoyed the show. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast.